0: Hello, people, and welcome to William's solo adventure of Podcast Reborn, and today we're going to be talking more about current things going on. There's no meta talk today, but there is a fair number of product releases coming out here fairly shortly, and some things I would like to give my own personal take on just from my perspective. So... Without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with this episode. And to start us off, what I'm going to start talking about is Dual Overload and some of the cards they're in. As well as prices and where I think some of these cards might go. First of all, we start with Christian Needlefiber. I refuse to call it its other name because it's dumb, stupid, and makes no sense why they decided to name it that. So, Needle Fiber single-handedly kill Destrudo, steam the cloak and glow bulb just from this card being in existence and i feel like there's going to be some combos where synchro spam decks will inevitably use this link monster to bring out something i don't know what's going to happen with it but it's going to open up a lot of interesting plays from things like Black Wings, despite the fact they may not have uh, access to like Steam the Cloak, but they have plenty of like spam ability. All the old school Black Wings, so like Bore of the Spear or Gill the Whirlwind, are not once per turn on their special summon condition. So you can bring them out, summon Needle Fiber and go into like synchro- uh, some Synchro Spam. I feel like there's something you can do there. Like, it's going to be an interesting card to play around with. That's the first one that I can think of that I'd like to talk about. And that's kind of my piece on it for the most part. Then we get legacy support for like really old archetypes. Like fairies got a Link 3 monster that requires two plus fairy monsters. A Celestial Knight Lord Parshath who is 2400 attack. He's a Link 3 light fairy you can discard one card to add one sanctuary in the sky or one card that specifically lists sanctuary in the sky in its text from your deck to your hand or if sanctuary in sky is on the field you can add one fairy monster instead if another face-up fairy monster you control is sent to the graveyard except during the damage step you can banish one fairy monster from your graveyard special summon one fairy monster from your hand whose level is higher than that Banished Monsters. Now, this is a weird one, because I feel like that goes into, um, if I'm remembering correctly, Master Hyperion plays. His ability is kind of okay these days, but for those of you that don't know what it is, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now. So he has a special summon condition of himself, So, you can special summon this card from your hand by removing from play one The Agent monster in your hand, field, or graveyard. Once per turn, you can remove from play one Light Fairy-type monster from your graveyard. Then, to select one card on the field and destroy it. If Sanctuary in the Sky is face-up on the field, you can activate this effect up to twice per turn. So, what the combo was, was basically just bam him out as quickly as possible. With things like the Agent of Earth and all these other Agent monsters. Search him out, summon a bunch of these guys, and just do that. Like, bring him out, disrupt your opponent's board. He is one of the guys that I would be summoning off of the Celestial Air Knight Parsoth. And that could be kind of funny to see. And then you also get, like, Alien Shock Trooper M-Frame. Which my co-host is super excited about, but I don't think they're going to do super well. Aliens are a really old archetype based on getting counters on your opponent's monsters as many as possible, weakening them to the point where they can't really do anything, and then just running them over and causing incidental damage that way. Not only that, but using the counters to do things like blow up your opponent's board when they attack because they had about ba- they had a couple of battle traps. They had one in plant pollutant virus where whenever your opponent would summon a monster gets an a counter. And the main gimmick is to lower them down with their attack points equal to the number of a counters on them. Then you get things like Union carrier and ancient like ancient gear ballista, Herald of Mirage lights, and this is just like the top of the list. But like mostly just talking about the cards that interest me. Honestly, I'm thinking card that could be interesting is Ancient Gear Ballista. Which is a Link 2 monster with an arrow that points bottom left and to the right. His 1500 attack requires two Earth Machine monsters. If this card is Link Summoned, you can add one Ancient Gear Monster or Gear Town from your deck to your hand, target one spell or trap you control, and one face-up monster your opponent controls. Destroy that card you control, and if you do, change that monster's attack and defense to zero until the end of turn. So, what you're primarily doing with this is to use it to sacrifice, like, Ancient Gear Catapult, Or you do, um, whatever the, um, God, trying to think of it, the, uh, the one that allows you to special summon from your deck or hand and use that to fuse into like some of their fusion monsters. And I feel like this card's a little bit, little too late, but is a cool support for something that I feel like is something of a fan favorite archetype in ancient gears Ever since Crowler in Yu-Gi-Oh! GX ended up using it. Because who doesn't want to beat the crap out of somebody with an old piece of machinery? Being like, this thing is literally falling you apart. But it's punching you in the face for so much damage. And their effects to negate all battle traps and spells isn't as relevant as it used to be. But it's still good to get around things like Radiant Mirror Force... I think is the one that most people are playing as of current. Then you also go into things like the Selene, Queen of the Master Magicians, which we already talked about a little bit, but I'll keep it brief in the fact that she facilitates so many combos. I want to play Matt with her and Endymion on it so bad. Then you got like all these other Link monsters. And if I was to talk about every single card of support in here, We'd be at this like all day, and I would say just like go check out some of this. We got like some really good reprints. Tour Guide from the Underworld, very sorely needed one. Cyber Dragon Infinity also got reprinted too, which is awesome. Now I just need the Cyber Dragon Nova reprint so we can summon onto him because Cyber Dragon Infinity. It's just really, really hard to like get out. But one of the things is you go uh, rank up magic, shave force or something or other like that. And you use that to go from one of the raid raptor monsters, which requires two level fours by paying half your life points to go into one that's two levels higher. So you use the raid raptor monster to go into cyber dragon infinity, which is kind of cool. And really stupid. We got Fantastical Dragon phantasma And then also Last Warrior from Another Planet. Which is one that I think is still really weird to see in today's like packs. His effect is really good. Where it's just, if this card is special summoned to destroy all the monsters you control. Neither player can summon monsters. You think Winda is bad? Last Warrior from another planet is just insane until he gets off the board because people can't summon monsters. And in today's meta game, being like most people are just going for spam for everything. So like if you can somehow manage to get out Last Warrior from another planet, like cheaply somehow, that's really good. Then you got reprints like Dagusto Emerald, who is pretty all right. He's allows you to recycle some of your graveyard, which I feel it like will be relevant for shadows. You got Cyframe Lord Omega you zombie players out there. I'm sure are happy about that. Then you have mystical space typhoon getting another ulti rare reprint. You get a double evolution pill deck, lockdown zombie world, cyber emergency golden castle of Stromberg. There's a lot of cards in here. And, like, I think the most important reprint we got out of the entire thing, outside of, like, a few of the other ones, is Infinite Impermanence. But, like, just looking at some of the prices of it, Infinite Impermanence used to be, like, 50 bucks before this. And now it's dropped down to, like, $20. It's not even the most expensive card in the set, but might see the most play, even just as a side deck card. Even if the Needle Fiber allows for better plays... It's not going to be as widely available because not everybody can make it. So the other thing too is Plant Verte Anaconda. For those of you looking for just something that's like a real good cheap removal thing. Um, go Super Poly. You use... So what you do with the Predaplant Verte Anaconda. And there's an effect on him that a lot of people aren't talking about. But I feel like needs to be said. Is the first effect which everybody skims over. Plant Verte Anaconda himself is a dark type. And the other part is you can pay 2000 life points to send one fusion or polymerization normal or quick play spell from your deck to the graveyard. This effect becomes that spell's effect when this card is activated. You cannot special summon monsters for the rest of the turn. You can only use the effect of Plant Verte Anaconda once per turn. And has two link arrows pointing to the bottom left and bottom right. Now, this card can be used for those of you that don't have, like, access to certain things. Or you just want to do a non-targeted a removal that's non-destruction. It's still targeted. If you have it and you're going against, like, a Pendulum-based deck, Quintet Magician, or against Shadows even. Taking Predaplant verte Anaconda and using that to take their cards out of commission, even for just a bit, that's kind of insane. I feel like Predaplant Verti Anaconda is going to see so much more play than we're all expecting them to, and we're already expecting a lot out of that guy. And honestly, I think it's going to be really cool like to see where this goes. And then general Forbidden and Limited list that we did like an emergency broadcast on, the cards they got Unlimited or banned or just limited to one a little bit of a report from that afterwards I feel it's a lot more diverse at least currently we haven't gotten around to like seeing any major tournaments and we're probably not going to see any for a good while because a lot of events are being canceled I think I just heard the other day that Yu-Gi-Oh World Championship as sad as that is also got canceled And that is a real crying shame because it would have been so cool to see some of these in Master Rule 5. Seeing like zodiacs back to like a little bit of power, but also seeing them limited. Seeing where the new like rules on like Synchro, exceeds and Fusions come into their fold. It's like some of these archetypes that could have thrived had they had the support would have been awesome. I think what Konami did with the product release of Dual Overload was stupendously well-timed. It's just for unforeseen circumstances right now with the coronavirus, I feel like it's just tough luck there. They had a phenomenal like release in Dual Overload. For those of you that can actually get out to go get it. I understand sometimes funds might be low right now. But there's not a whole lot we can do about that right now. So here's hoping like maybe this might keep you entertained. We did do a online tournament. And I showed people why Necroface should not be a three. And I got the card wrong last time on the podcast. And I apologize for that. It's not Mystic Walk. It's actually Inferno Tempest. And the way the Necroface Mill deck works is it has basically four built-in win conditions. Full credit to uh, Team Samurai on YouTube for doing a deck profile on this. I was looking at it and trying to figure out where to go with it, and that actually helped me a lot. But you have four built-in win conditions. One, you use Soul Absorption, which gains you 500 life points every single time a card is banished for each card banished. You have Necroface, which will take away basically their entire deck. So you're either winning on life points or mill currently. You have Gren Maju Daiza, who is going to be your one punch dude. Just go one punch to their face. Because you're going to have... I got him... I think the biggest I got him to so far was like 13,000 attack points, which was absurd. And then you also have things like Mystic Mine. Because that's still cancer and not banned for some reason. Like it's not it's not a good time. Like Necrophase being at three, no, this is this is a problem. Because so many hand traps that you think would work does not work against Necrophase. Now the problem with Necrophase though is if your opponent can get negates. However, the problem with that is A lot of negates are from the deck. Currently. And you can't really do. Ash Blossom. To an Inferno Tempest. And you can't Red Reboot it. So you have to negate it. With a Spell Negate. Or you have to blow it up. Before you take damage. But if you're going second. With the Necroface deck. You're running things like. The 3300 point Kaijus. So that you can take a Link Karibo, and just run it into them, and then trigger the Inferno Tempest yourself, and then with Spell Absorption, like, you just gain a billion life points. Every single time, I'd be called over for, like, time or they were checking on us, and I'd be like, I'm over 14,000 life points, we're fine, everything is great. And against, uh, one of my opponents, he just ended up, like, scooping after his first attack, because I Necro-faced him For the entire deck. This is going to be nuts. And the deck is super cheap. Do not sleep on this thing. If I were you. I would almost side deck an imperial iron wall. And go first. Set it and then just play that. And then your opponent. Literally can't do anything. But game one. like You're going to be so hard pressed. To find a deck. That's going to be able to deal with it. Just because you can't get to Beirut. You can't really get kaiju to a point where it's relevant. You can't have too much else happen to you on the way. And not only that, one of the things you can do with the Necroface deck is it will attrition you to no end. And if your opponent's putting cards in their graveyard, you can use the Necroface to eventually outlast them. And at that point, you're already like winning to time. Because if you just get off Inferno Tempest... And you have Soul Absorption. Like you're winning right there. Because they're not going to hit you hard enough to drop you down. I survived a double or nothing. Utopia double. And still killed them. Because my life point count was so high. I had like 4,000 life points left over. After they hit me for 10,000 points of damage. Like the Necroface deck. I feel like for those of you looking to get into like a competitive sort of entry point. I feel like the Necroface deck is a good place to start because it's got a really cheap base. It gets you into playing some of these other cards and you see kind of how the metagame like would revolve around like different cards. But it's also just a fun deck kind of to play on itself. Granted, some people are going to get real salty because you'll basically be banishing the entire deck. And it's a problem at three. It's going to be a hell of a time playing that deck. I may may try it out a few more times come locals. But currently I've got the sealed only challenge. Of which I am still playing pendulums. But we will talk about that here in a second. The next thing I kind of want to talk about here. I've been keeping an eye on Magician's Souls. And like some other prices for it. Um, so, magician's Souls went from 80 back to 90. And I feel like it's kind of going to settle there. Because it's being used a lot in Pendulum builds. It's still being used by Dark Magicians, which have been topping. And it's been doing a fair bit. And it's not the worst thing in the world. But the fact that it's really hard to find this card in the first place. And was short printed. Makes it really hard to get your hands on. And it's kind of driving the price point. Granted the spiral band did help lower it a bit. But it's still like $90. And here's hoping they actually do a reprint for that fairly soon. So the next thing I kind of want to talk about. Which we will inevitably bring up on the podcast. Is the Sacred Beast structure deck. Let's go ahead and take a look at these. First off, this is going to be old hat probably by the time a lot of you hear this. But we have Raviel, Lord of Phantasms. He's a level 10, 4,000 attack, 4,000 defense. Cannot be normal summoned or set. Must be special summoned from your hand by tributing three monsters. You can only use this card's names, one and two effect, once per turn each. The first effect, you can discard this card and target... One Raviel Lord of Phantasms you control for the rest of the turn its attack is double also it can attack all monsters your opponents controls once each so the original Raviel Lord of Phantasms is just a 4k beat stick that summons tokens whenever your opponent summons a monster this card combined with that makes him an 8k beat stick and then he can hit attack each of your opponents monsters once The second effect also combos with that secondary ability that Ravial has for how long I don't know because your opponent at that point should probably be dead. If Shimmering Scraper is in your graveyard, you contribute one monster to add this card to your hand. Now, in Magical Pixieland, you can take this card, use it, continually punch your opponent's monsters off the board, use his secondary ability to keep punching your opponent's monsters until they're dead. However, I don't think they should be alive after you do that. So the next card is Dark Beckoning Beast. Which is a level 2 Dark Fiend with 0 attack and 0 defense. You can only use this card's names each once per turn. When he is Normal Summoned, you can add one Uriah, Lord of Searing Flames, Haman, Lord of Striking Thunder, or one Raviel, Lord of Phantasms, or one card that specifically lists any of the names in its card text from your deck to your hand, except Dark Beckoning Beast. Number two, during your main phase, you can Normal Summon one Fiend Monster with zero attack and zero defense in addition to your Normal Summon. You can only gain this effect once per turn. So the secondary effect is mostly so you can bring him out. You use like Fiend Sanctuary to summon another one. And then you pop out Ravial. And then you hit them with the Shimmering Scraper to bring that down. He does allow for like extra normal summons. Which is good for tribute fodder. The second one that we have that's specific is Cerulean Skyfire. You special summon 1 Hamon, Lord of Striking Thunder, using its own procedure. You can send face-down spells you control to the graveyard instead of face-up continuous spells or any combination of both. 2. Once per turn, when an opponent's activated spell or trap resolves, while you control an attack position Haman, you can negate that effect. Then change 1 Haman, Lord of Striking Thunder you control to defense position. 3. If Uriah, Lord of Searing Flame... Haman, Lord of Striking Thunder. Araviel, Lord of Phantasm. You control, leaves the field. You take no damage for the rest of the turn. It's mostly just Haman support, but it's really cool that they give it, like, a bunch of legacy support to the other ones. Then, we have Hyperblaze. So, this is a contiguous trap card, which you'll have to basically go first, let your opponent go, hope you get a second turn, and then use this card... For the three following effects. To special summon Uriah Lord of Searing Flames using its own procedure. You can send face down traps you control to the graveyard instead of face up ones. Or any combination of both. When when an attack is declared involving your Uriah Lord of Searing Flames. You can send one trap from your hand or deck to the graveyard. Its attack becomes 1000 times the number of traps on the field and in the graveyard for the rest of this turn. Once per turn, you can discard one card. Take one Uriah, Haman, or Raviel from your graveyard. And either add it to your hand or special summon it. Ignoring its summoning conditions. The last lane of text on a lot of these is just using it to special summon. Or give benefit to the other cards. So they're not entirely dead cards in a hand. And I feel like that's pretty cool. Um, and then you also have things like... The Dark Summoning Beast. So, Dark Summoning Beast. It, you contribute this card to special summon 1 Uriah, Haman, or Avial from your hand or deck, ignoring its summoning conditions. Also, monsters you control cannot attack for the rest of the turn. You can only use the effect of Dark Summoning Beast once per turn. You can banish this card to, to, from your graveyard to add 1 Uriah, Haman, or Avial from your deck to the hand. And it's Hamon, Lord of Striking Thunder, Uriah, Lord of Searing Flames, Aravya, Lord of Phantasms. So, like, that's kind of cool with the effect where you can use that. So, the thing that I would first think is there is uh, using Dark Beckoning Beast to go search out Shimmering Scraper. After that, summon Dark Summoning Beast using the effect of that one. Tribute him, Summon Raviel, Lord of Phantasms. Use that U-Shimmering Scraper, and it's a three-card combo for what should be an OTK. And then, after that, we have Chaos Summoning Beast, which is one I haven't seen a whole lot of. So, Chaos Summoning Beast, you can tribute this card to Special Summon 1 Uriah, Lord of Searing Flames, Haman Lord of Striking Thunders, or Raviel Lord of Phantasms from your hand, ignoring its summoning conditions. You can banish this card to add one Fallen Paradise from your deck to your hand. You can only use each effect of Chaos Summoning Beast once per turn. Now this goes into another card, which I was going to talk about anyways, called Fallen Paradise. But with that card, like they're getting a lot of good legacy support, which makes them at least a lot more viable than they were. And I think it could be cool. Maybe we get this for like other legacy supports that we just didn't know we wanted. Like Ancient Gears will... They're not as popular as Blue Eyes, but they will get consistent support. Which is a weird thing to say. It might be like one card every like year or like maybe two. But they will at least get consistent support. So, let's go into Fallen Paradise. First off, your opponent cannot target Uriah, Lord of Searing Flames, Haman, Lord of Striking Thunder, Oraviel, Lord of Phantasms, or Armor Tile the Chaos Phantom in your monster zones with card effects. Also, those monsters cannot be destroyed by your opponent's card effects while you control them. If you control any of those guys in your monster zone, you can draw two cards. So, not only does it help to protect all your big dudes you also just get like free advantage to draw a bunch of cards this one i feel like is the same way like drawing cards is so powerful in Yu-Gi-Oh because your decks are so much smaller and you have the ability to make things way more consistent and there's just so many things that you could do so grinder golem which is a banned card because it gives your opponent the grinder golem but gives you two tokens which is so i'm curious if that's going to come off the ban list to one but i very severely doubt it uh phantom of chaos which is a really old monster for those of you that don't know it's a level four zero attack zero defense fiend your opponent takes no battle damage from attacks involving this card okay then what's its effect well once per turn you can target one effect monster in your graveyard banish that target And if you do until the end phase, this card's name and original attack becomes that monster's name and original attack. And replace this effect with that monster's original effects. You must only control this face-up card to activate and resolve this effect. So Phantom of Chaos goes into like a weird territory that Konami really doesn't like. Where you get the ability to just take cards from your graveyard and use those effects on another card entirely and this was printed before the things of like uh neptune and whatever the link monster is that just lets you nuke your opponent turn one so then we go into phantom sky blaster which is not a super relevant card uh you have the mad reloader when he's destroyed by battle and sent to the graveyard send two cards from your hand to the graveyard and if you do draw two cards i feel like that could be okay Like, if battle effects mattered more, that could be cool. Then you got Rainbow Dark Dragon, which is a 4k beat stick that you special summon by banishing 7 dark monsters with different names. Uh, It's got 4,000 attack. Yeah, by banishing 7 dark monsters with different names. And he also got an Arata, where it's treated as an ultimate crystal card. So you can special summon it off of some of the Crystal Beast support that we've gotten. Then you get things like Trigodia, which used to be so good back in the day. And so just for those of you that don't know what he is, he's a level 10 fiend uh, with question mark attack and question mark defense. When you take battle damage, you can special summon this card from your hand. Then... As a static effect, you gain 600 attack and defense for every card in your hand. Once per turn, you can send one monster from your hand to the graveyard, then target one face-up monster your opponent controls with the same level as the sent monster had in the hand. Take control of that face-up monster. Just permanently. You take control of it. Then, once per turn, you can target one monster in your graveyard, and this card's level becomes the same as the target's until end of turn. So, this card back when synchros were around was so good. Because games lasted more than a handful of turns. And you could use this card to go into like synchro plays. Steal opponent's monsters. Put a dude on the board. Like, if you went second and you had him in your hand. And he was just a really solid card. He doesn't see too much play today. But can be kind of okay. Then you got... Radian, the multi-dimensional kaiju, so at least you're getting a kaiju in the deck. You're getting Stygian Street Patrol, which I don't even remember what that does. It's an old card, which I don't think is going to be super relevant. The design for it is more cool than what it actually is. Then we're getting Pot of Desires, which if we just keep getting more Pot of Desires reprints, I'm okay with that. Like Pot of Desires is pretty good and almost every single deck that can afford to run it is running it. So I feel like that's a card that needs to be played. And then for some reason, they put one of the single worst cards in the game on this deck. Why? I have no idea. Spell Chronicle. So Spell Chronicle. Send all cards in your hand to the graveyard. Select and remove from play five spell and trap cards from your deck. Each time your opponent Activates a spell card place one chronicle counter on this card You can remove two chronicle counters from this card to have your opponent select one of the cards removed from this card's effect And add it to your hand when this card is removed from the field you take 500 damage for each card that is still removed from play due to this card's effect and it's real bad Like this card just straight sucks They also have things like swords of concealing light like this is just a super old-school deck with some of the cards that are in it. You have Shapeshister, Escape from the Dark Dimension, Sacred Beast Awakening. The other one is Dimension Fusion Destruction, I believe. Dimension Fusion Destruction allows them to get out Armour Tile way better for like not as big an investment. So Dimension Fusion Destruction, special summon one Phantasm Fusion Monster from your extra deck by banishing the fusion materials listed on it from your hand, field, and or graveyard, ignoring its summoning conditions. And if you do, you take no battle damage from attacks involving it. If you control a Uriah, Lord of Searing Flames, Haman, Lord of Striking Thunder, or Raviel, Lord of Phantasms, your opponent cannot activate cards or effects in response to this card's activation. Let's just look at Armour the Chaos Phantom. Armour the Chaos Phantom... A 0 attack, 0 defense, level 12. Which must be special summon from your extra deck. By banishing 1 Uriah, 1 Haman, and 1 Raviel from your field. He cannot be destroyed by battle. But during your turn, he gains 10,000 attack. Which is dumb, kind of. Then you also have Phantasm Emperor Trio Logic. Who I don't think is very good but we're going to go over him anyways. He's a Dark Fiend uh, level 10 with 4,000 attack, 4,000 defense. He requires three level 10 monsters. Okay, you're playing a bunch of level 10s, so it makes sense. If he is special summoned or if there is another monster is special summoned from the graveyard to your field. While you control this monster, target one face-up monster you're putting controls and inflict damage to your opponent equal to half its original attack. You can only use the effect of Phantasm Emperor Triologic once per turn. Now, it does, however, put 8,000 damage, which if your opponent has nothing else out or has no hand traps or anything else to stop you fighting, they do have the ability to put out 8,000 points of damage. And I think that's pretty alright. Like, Phantasm Emperor Triologic, I don't think is very good, I think you're better off going with the Armatile because you can't take battle damage and he can't be destroyed by battle. This guy can, and he can also be targeted. Um, So I would go with Armatile 100% of the time over that guy, at least in terms of legacy support. And we're also probably going to be getting Jim Crocodile Cook's Fossil Dinos here to the TCG pretty soon. But with everything being canceled right now because of the virus i can't say i have high hopes for seeing anything for the future until probably about november maybe if we're lucky just to give you guys a quick update at least in terms of the sealed only deck challenge i am running a build with it where it doesn't rely a lot on the pendulum summons So, the Sealed Only Deck Challenge doesn't rely a whole lot on Pendulum Summons. Now, I know what some people are going to be saying. It relies more on getting out guys through things like the Magical Abductor, going for Servant, or using the Master of Endominion to go into like the Odd-Eyes Vortex Dragon, to then bring out the. Using Odd Absolute. To bring out the Odd Vortex Dragon. But because of the challenge. And Dual Overload. We're currently running like. Double Impermanence. We have Lore of Darkness. And we have a lot of up consistency. But you're using things like. Mythical Beast Jackal King. To bring out Master Cerberus. Using him for Link Spam. To bring out. More things with uh, Magister and Dominion, the Mighty Master of Magic. Using him to wipe your opponent's board because he racks up counters super fast. Using things like Spell Power Mastery. And the whole thing right now is using just the various different effects to bring out a whole bunch of negates. And I think it's going to be one of the strongest decks going into the new Master Rule. Because Pendulum Best deck, bro! Pendulum best deck. I think it's going to be pretty good. Like, being able to summon two Endominions, two jackal kings, and then also using Celine to bring stuff out from the graveyard. I don't think you're going to be able to do too much against it, honestly. Like, I think it's going to be really good. And I feel free to be proven wrong. But with the way it's headed, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot that can stop it sometimes. Which is one of the things why I think it's going to inevitably get hit on this next ban list. More than likely, I feel like it's just going to get slapped. And you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Because choices themselves with the deck, with um, the things going on with it, like how much it can special summon, like the amount of combo potential that it has... It basically plays out like one or two turns and that's really all it does and it puts out a bunch of negates that takes away your opponent's ability to really play and they don't like that. And there is counterplay to it but it's mostly on the turn it's actually doing stuff. So if you like do Ash Blossom, Evenly Matched, other cards of that nature, Nibiru if you don't have a Jackal King on board can be super detrimental. It's so difficult. But that being said, things like Cosmic Cyclone, Anti-Spell Fragrance, Imperial Order, cards like there can be only one. All those cards I feel like are just going to take away from Konami's wanting to hit it. Because there are so many outs to it that so many people are going to side in. And if they don't see him, but also if we get Troll and Lockbird, like there's not much we can do on our turn. There's also those cards which just straight lock us out. Things like Summon Limit, Winda. So I feel like it's going to be one of the stronger decks going into the new format. But I do feel like it's going to get hit eventually. And I think that's going to do us for about an hour here on Podcast Reborn would like to remind you guys all to just be friendly to your opponents. Make sure you're all having a good, fun time. We play this game to have fun. Try not to get too salty. Yeah, sometimes the salt flows. We all have those days. Try to just have, like, a good vibe about it. Like, the game's supposed to be fun. Let's just go ahead and have a good time, guys. Shake your opponent's hand. Be a good sport about it. Tell them, it's like, yo, that was cool play. And then you just get Boralode Savage Dragoned into death. So... Until next time when we come back to Podcast Reborn, we will be talking about whatever the hell we're talking about. And we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye.